Today's readings from the Word of God come from Psalm 33, Philippians, and the Gospel of Matthew. Please listen as we read the scripture. Our first reading comes from Psalm chapter 33, verses 4 and 5. Hear the word of the Lord. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all of his work is done in, in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading from the Word of God comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Hear the Word of the Lord. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you are able, please stand. Our final reading from the word of God comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind me, or listen as I read the scripture. Once again, that is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Suze Skinner. My husband, Joel, and I have been a part of Anchor Bay now for just nine months. And Anchor Bay has blessed us in so many ways. The beautiful worship, the compassionate teaching, and the commitment that you all have for loving our neighbors so well. So thank you for being that kind of church. It's so good to gather together on this first day of the Lenten season to set our hearts apart for the Lord. And as is our custom here at Anchor Bay, I, I want to just invite you to take a moment 
to be still, to be quiet with the Lord. Just noticing what it is that you bring in your heart and in your mind in this space. And welcome the Lord Jesus to be in it with you as we recenter our hearts toward the presence of God. Lord, we welcome your presence with us. Give us eyes and ears to recognize you and a heart that's open to receiving your love as we reflect on your word. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I have a question for you. If you were to stumble upon a hidden treasure, kind of like finding a magic oil lamp with a genie in it, what treasure would you wish for? Of all the things you worked so hard for, but just haven't gotten there yet, or maybe it's a situation or a condition that you wish for that just seems so long in coming, Maybe it's something you wish you possessed, but it just seems so out of reach. What would you wish for? What secret treasure would be in that box that would make life good? Just notice what comes to mind for you. When Bryn reached out to me to consider speaking today, Ash Wednesday, to speak on our mortality, to talk about death, and she said, only if that would be life-giving for you. (laughs) I did chuckle inside just thinking, yeah, the irony of that, to reflect on death, how could that be life-giving? But underneath that very sentiment is growing up in a culture that has shielded me, shielded many of us from actually seeing death or the process of dying. And I know we all have a different story with this. Maybe some of you have witnessed death up close, and maybe some of us are actually feeling like this is kind of a raw topic for me emotionally right now. And if that's true, if this morning you're in a place of grieving, I just want you to know that God loves you and is holding you in a really special place. And so are we, your friends. It wasn't that long ago, say when my grandparents were growing up, that witnessing death was a very common part of life. Mothers died in childbirth right in the family home. Siblings died of things like the flu or uh, an infected wound. 
children who had a fever might not wake up in the morning. Grandparents aged and died in the bed upstairs. Nearly everyone grew up seeing a relative, both young or old. They saw a a relative die. In his little book on death, the author and pastor Tim Keller points to the fact that now, with the blessing of science and modern medicine, we're relieved of many of the causes of death that once were so common. And our life expectancy is so much longer. Today, people die in hospitals or in hospice homes away from the eyes of others. It's normal to live to adulthood and never watch anyone die. I've heard it said that we're allergic to death. In everyday conversation, it's considered kind of bad taste to even have a serious conversation about death. Last year, my husband, Joel, was rushed to the emergency room with a potentially life-threatening episode. And this was really disconcerting for us because he was on medication that was supposed to prevent that from ever happening again. And later on that day, when we were in the hospital room, the doctor came in to have a conversation about the new medication that was being prescribed for him. And we asked him, how can we be sure that this new medication is actually going to be any more effective than what he was already on. And he turned to us and he said, the only thing you can be sure of is that one day you're going to die. Wow, we were kind of surprised that a doctor would say those kind of words to a patient in the hospital. The only thing you can be sure of is that one day you're going to die. Some people would say, well, that's terrible bedside manner. What doctor says that? But in his defense, doctors and nurses and first responders, they see death up close all the time. And his candor was actually very refreshing. When he bluntly said these words about the truth of our mortality, I recognized immediately a shift happen inside me. I was humbled. I recognized that all the questions that I was holding about what was going to keep my husband safe and what was going to protect his life, these questions were not coming from a very humble place. As I thought about the certainty of death, my attitude was redirected toward what I know is 
most true about what it means to be human. That we are made to be dependent on God. That we're made to hope in him. For our days are numbered. So why is it so hard for us to talk about our mortality, to prepare for death, and to to die well? Pastor Tim Keller goes on to argue that we are the most unprepared people in history for death. And it's not only because we are shielded from death, from witnessing dying, but it's because of our secular culture's obsession with this world happiness and fulfillment. The voices of our culture are continually urging us towards self-gratification and self-fulfillment here and now. And we are easily swayed by that. So much of what we treasure in life just feeds our pride and our need for self-importance. So what do we treasure? We treasure our stuff, right? We treasure our possessions, our comforts, even though they never seem to satisfy. Enough is never enough. And because this is, because somehow we have allowed what we have to give us a sense of value, to feel good about ourselves and what we don't have to make us somehow feel like we're less, like we're less valuable. We also treasure our health, our capabilities, our skills, our achievements, because they make us feel valuable. It's not until we lose our capabilities that we realize how we've put our identity and our self-importance and what we can offer. We also treasure the feeling of being in control, being in the know, having agency to make things happen the way we think is right. Oh man, we love to be right, don't we? We love to be influential, and we're willing to take control, sometimes at the expense of others, even in our own families. We treasure people, but, but what people do we treasure the most? We treasure the people that give us the most affirmation, or the most appreciation, or the most affection. We love to be loved. We also treasure our safety and our security. Even when a certain degree of our security is in some way threatened, we realize, whoa, I really value my safety. And, I re- and I'm actually surprised by what I would be willing to do to get that sense of security back. There's so much about what we treasure and what we strive for 
that we don't even take with us when we die. Jesus knows this about us. All our striving, all the things we treasure, and he invites us to a better way, the way we were made for. And so I invite you to listen to the words of Jesus in a parable while looking at a drawing that I'd like to share with you that came out of my time of praying through this parable. So listen to Jesus' words. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Listen again as I read it from the message version, which is also on that little card that you received when you came in. Are you listening to this? Really listening? God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic. What a find! And he proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. As you sit with this drawing, what do you suppose the treasure is? that God is leading us to find. What treasure would make us so ecstatic and so full of joy? What treasure from God would be so great that all our striving for self-important treasures would just fall away? What would be in that treasure box that God is offering that we would so gladly trade all other treasures for. The parable says that the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure. So what is the treasure that Jesus is referring to? The artwork wants to give us a clue. With the intrigue of an ancient Hebrew language engraved on the treasure chest, what is that anyway? the Hebrew word hesed. For hesed is the steadfast love of God, his loving kindness, his mercy. Hesed appears hundreds of times throughout the overall grand story of the Bible. For God has given us an incredible treasure that's indestructible, It will be everlasting. He's given us himself. His steadfast love and mercy is a love that will never let us go. He loves us with a love that knows no end. A love that is faithful, even when we're not faithful. He loves us with a love that is stronger than death. 
St. Augustine wrote in his book for beginners in the faith that the story of the kingdom of heaven at its heart is a love story. Before all else, he says, Christ came so that we might learn how, how much God loves us, so that we could catch fire with love for him who first loved us. It's the story, it's the love story of the God of the universe who became one of us and died our death that we could have life to the full and that we could know that we're his beloved. How amazing is that? There is no need to strive like we do because we are loved we are valuable. We are secure. The treasure that Jesus points to outshines all other treasures. And the words, you are dust, and to dust we will return, are part of that love story too. Because when we reflect on our death, we begin to see things clearly the reality of our death humbles us and it opens us to receive the love of God. Humility is a good thing. Do you want to hear a cool, fun fact about humility? It's a word, the word humility comes from the Latin humilis, which is translated humble, but it also means grounded from the earth derived from the word humus, which is where we get the word human. So if we are truly, fully human, the way we are created to be, we are to be a humble human. Being humble and dependent on God is what it means to be human. You know what's ironic? You know when people make a mistake or they feel like they've done something sinful and they respond by saying, oh, what can I do? I'm just human. You know, it's actually the exact opposite. That when I'm truly human, I'm exactly how I am meant to be. Humble, small, dependent on God. A child, a child of God. It's when I become prideful in taking matters in my own hands and striving after self-important treasures that I get into trouble. It's our appetite for self-importance that allures us to turn our backs from God and forget the love story that we were created for. You know, the flip side of that is true as well. Sometimes we have a kind of false humility that can be brought on by our sense of shame. And that makes our heart want to say, I could never be God's beloved. And it causes us to hide from what's most true 
and to hide from the love story that we are made for. But true humility, on the other hand, helps us to remember that we are loved by God. Humility grounds us. And it seems so fitting that the hidden treasure of the parable is found in the ground, in the humus, in a place of humility, in Christ's humility. For Christ, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a humble death, a criminal's death on a cross. Here it is, friends. This is it. The greatest love story ever told. Jesus is our treasure. So today, as we hear the words, we are dust, and to dust we will return, it should remind us of our death and how much we need God, but it also should remind us of this amazing love story of Christ's humble life and his humble death and how that enables us to have a humble love in return to our God and enables us to also have his love poured through us to our neighbors. So what would it look like during this season of Lent for us to give up a treasure that we just know is drawing us away from God and exchange it for a treasure that draws us toward God and his love for us? Friends, we are soon to be invited to receive the ashes of remembering our mortality. And as we do, oh Lord, search our hearts and show us how we have turned away and how we have allowed ourselves to strive after other treasures. And when we hear the word repent in humility, let us think of it this way. For the word repent literally means to change your mind, to do an about-face, to turn around. And as we turn from our striving, from our self-important treasures, and turn around and see there's God standing right there. He's been there all along. Arms wide open, eyes full of love, full of grace. Let's pray. Lord, help us to fully embrace the love story you have written for us to walk in with you. Forgive us for striving after treasures that lure us away from you. Lord, as we see more and more how you have lavished your love upon us, 
Enable us to treasure you above all.